All right, here we go. Welcome in, everyone. Another episode of the Final Score podcast, and uh, very much looking forward to this one because uh, we'll catch up with uh, former Oakdale quarterback Colin Schley, one of the best high school quarterbacks to ever play in the county, uh, who is now uh, the starting quarterback at Kent State University. And uh, the Golden Flashes uh, certainly have uh, a test in front of them uh, this week, uh, traveling to number one Georgia. Uh, to, to face the Bulldogs in, in their national championship caliber defense. So uh, look forward to talking to Colin about the big game on Saturday and just his career at Kent and, and how he sort of ascended to the starting job there. And, and Kent's also played Washington and Oklahoma uh, earlier already uh, this season. So uh, we'll talk to uh, Colin about all that. So I uh, can't wait to catch up with him in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but first, as always, we'll swing around the county with John Cannon and Alexander Dacey. And guys, uh, three weeks of the football season already uh, already in the books, uh, heading into week four. And um, and again, uh, I, I think we've seen some separation. Uh, Alexander, you saw Oakdale pick up a nice win over Middletown. Uh, John, you saw Frederick uh, destroy Wheaton. Uh, you, you, had, you had the great shredded Wheaton uh, 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 headline. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw Ligonor scratch out a win uh, over Walkersville, coming off their loss over Westminster. So, uh, and, and Urbana I, I continued to play really well. They they shut out Parkville uh, on Saturday afternoon in that weird Saturday game. So, those to me seem to be the top four teams. Uh, John, I'm, uh, you got your first look at Frederick, and, mm -hmm. and and they certainly didn't disappoint. Yeah, I mean they scored uh, more points than they had in the last hundred years. Uh, seventy two points, <laughs> seventy two to nothing over Wheaton, and actually they had two touchdowns on kicks returns called back, so it could have been worse. And they had their backups in there in the second half, and they, you know, their backups were good. I mean they just Wheaton was totally overmatched, and uh, I mean I mean Frederick's I'm sure they're good, but it's. Uh, it's a shame they really maybe you know don't have somebody a little tougher to play now to kind of stretch them a little bit. You yeah, know? you proposed an interesting idea in the office earlier tonight. Uh, I mean, with all due respect mm -hmm. to Catoctin, who's struggling this year, they're scheduled to play Frederick on September 30th in uh, what is likely to be a blowout game. Um, Urbana is going to likely have a bye that week because Gaithersburg, Alexander, is dealing with some issues or what, what's going on? Yeah, down there? so Gaithersburg, uh, Gaithersburg's program is actually uh, on uh, is suspended right now along with Northwest. There was a big brawl in their game yep, last right. Friday. Right. Um, and so those two programs are suspended while you know MCPS investigates you know whatever the heck went on there um and so they've already both those teams have already you know they're not playing this week they already forfeited um and so there's a there's a decent though you know it, you know i think at this point it's kind of up in the air whether or not they'll have to forfeit a second week depending on the course of the investigation but it is a possibility because urbana is would be at this point gaithersburg's next opponent on the 30th so right it is a possibility that they don't that they don't play so if that game doesn't yeah. happen and this is not this this is not going to happen. Yeah. Let's make that clear. We talk I, about be, stuff be, because yeah, we're we're just kicking around ideas here. But Frederick and Urbana used to play uh, every mm -hmm. every every year, um, and it was often a competitive game. I I remember covering a game in 2007. I think it was the 2007 season that Frederick had where they beat Urbana, and mm -hmm. it was I think it was maybe the first time they'd ever beaten Urbana. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Frederick's program, uh, well documented, went through some very difficult times in recent years, and Urbana dropped off the schedule, and they're still not back on the schedule. And if you look at Frederick's schedule, uh, you, you can't say it's the toughest schedule in the world, and, and, you, and you wonder how battle-tested Frederick will be going into the playoffs, right. because really there are only two games that might push them a little bit are the games against Ligonor at home, on October 14th and then at Oakdale the following week on the 21st. Otherwise, their schedule isn't going to push them very much. So, so John, you threw out the proposal. Hey, if, if, we, if Frederick could wiggle out of that Catoctin uh, game, which is likely to be a blowout, and Urbana has a bye, why, why not right. match those two teams up, which would be a terrific game given mm -hmm. they might be the two best teams in the county this year. Sure, and it'd be, it'd be good for Urbana too. Of course, I mean, Catoctin, I mean, you know, that's, they're going to say what about us, you know, and they should, they should be able to play, and that would be, wouldn't be fair to them. But, yeah, it's just, it would be one of those things in a perfect world, you know. Uh, Frederick and Urbana would play, and, you know, you look at this, there's almost a chance, well, it won't happen, but. Yeah, just, just something we talked about, bandied and, about. And it's all going to sort itself out because Urbana's going to play Oakdale. Urbana's going to play Leganor. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Frederick's going to play Oakdale and Ligonor. So the, the good teams will play each other. But, but yeah, the, I mean, that game that is really missing on, on the schedule this season countywide is that Urbana – Frederick game, so so it's Urbana's, unfortunate that that's not going to happen. Urbana's got that defense. You'd like to see how they, you know, would fare against say Frederick's offense. You know, and that'd be an interesting matchup. Right, and we're talking a lot about Frederick, but but Oakdale uh, is in the conversation. Is uh, is is one of the best teams in the county, if not the best. Alexander, what was your takeaway from their game with Middletown? So first of all, I just like to preface uh, this by saying that game was uh, particularly sloppy, especially in the first quarter. Um, so, you know, it was a little bit hard to gauge, I guess, at least at the start, kind of how both teams were. Because the first, I mean, each team's their first two, their for each team's first two possessions ended in turnovers. Um, there were, I believe, 10 combined turnovers on the night and a couple others that like, like with fumbles lost that, that the, you know, that their respective teams recovered. Whole bunch of penalties, just kind of a bit, bit of a sloppy mess, but I think the the big thing that stuck out to me was was that Oakdale's defense was really legit. I mean, they were, you know, they were sort of swarming and Carson Smith had a good game. He rushed for I believe he rushed for around 140 yards or so um and a couple touchdowns, you know. So they, you know, he he kind of did what he what he had to do, but they they could not establish an aerial attack in the slightest. Um and they were getting pushed back by penalties and you know, there were times where, you know, you know, they were able to contain Carson Smith and he even had two fumbles that he lost and a couple others that, you know, he almost that he almost lost. So, you know, the Oakdale defense is really legit and then their, you know, their offense was kinda of, was kind of boomer bust. I mean, they did they scored forty two points, which is fantastic, but you know, it was scoreless after one quarter. They had a sort of spurt of points in the second quarter. Nothing really happened in like the third quarter and the first part of the fourth quarter, really. And then the last, you know, couple drives when Middletown kept turning it over in, you know, in Oakdale territory. Um, uh, or, or vice versa. Or let me uh, flip that. Uh, Middletown kept turning over in their territory and Oakdale took over, you know, on, on you know, with plus field position. They were scoring. So, you know, I think, I think, I think Oakdale's defense is legit. Their offense has a lot of explosive potential. I mean, Evan Austin had almost 300 uh, all-purpose yards, um, over 100 both on the ground and in the air, uh, three total touchdowns. Hunter Thompson uh, caught the two receiving touchdowns um, on only five catches, 134 yards. So he was really, really, you know, kind of their big deep ball threat. So I think, you know, again, I have not seen Frederick, so it's hard for me to compare. I think based on just, again, what I've heard from – you, Greg, covering them, and you, you've probably been around them the most of out of the three of us. And then John, you know, obviously the game last week was a little hard to hard to gauge, you know, 100%. But, you know, are they better than Frederick? I'm not – I don't think I can maybe confidently say that, but I think they're, they're, they're definitely one of the best teams in the county and might have one of the best defenses yeah, in you, the county at least. You mentioned yeah. Evan Austin, uh, yeah. who's getting Division One looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about your impressions of Don Nichols, uh, who's off, so, also their highly recruited uh, DN. So surprisingly, Dom Nichols did not actually get a ton of, at least offensively. I know he, you know, he was playing tight end. He didn't get a ton of action. I don't, I don't think he caught a pass at all. I mean, he was, he was more used in sort of blocking sets. Um, and then defensively, he had a um, – again, I don't think he recorded any big stats. It was – Again, for as, you know, as much as they kind of dominated defensively, he was the one guy who was who was a little quieter. Um, is that because they were double teaming him, or really paying a lot of attention? Hard, to him, hard to say. Um, you know, I think I, I, I think it was. I, I don't think I don't. It didn't seem like they were necessarily double teaming him. Um, but you know, I think it was just maybe it was just kind of one of those games. You know, he looked he, again. He looked fine, and he 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 definitely got in on some tackles, and he had. I think there there was there was one um he had one really nice uh uh like I think bat you know kind of batted down past the line of scrimmage on like I think it was a third down um so again so he definitely you know he was definitely he was in on plays like he wasn't completely silent but you know it was a I think a quieter game overall for him being a DN does he know more for pass rushing I haven't seen him play since last year or and of course Middletown probably didn't throw the ball well that that's the thing is right is like Middletown threw the ball didn't. I think they threw the ball 17 times but like mm, well. which is not bad but like they weren't really getting much of anything because you know they're i mean they're 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 very it's very i think i think we we found 
you know, the, one of the questions we had at the beginning of the year was, you know, will they be able to supplement Carson Smith with a passing attack? And I think through the first few weeks, the answer is not really. Um, you know, so I think the, part of that is just Middletown's a little bit one-dimensional offensively. Um, yeah. You know. Oh, on, on Nichols, though, yeah. uh, Kurt Stein mentioned uh, to me at the start of the season, like, he's sort of known for batting down passes. Yeah. So the fact that he caught a couple – it, the fact that he got a couple his hands on a couple of passes and Middletown passes nonetheless shows yeah. you I mean how how dominant he is in, in that area so right so even if he doesn't get to the quarterback I mean his ability to bat down mm-hmm. passes is, is one of his big strengths and I'm sure that's what that's what the colleges are looking at so that's the big game this week uh, Middle, Middletown uh, versus Oakdale uh, it'll be a great test for each team uh, late uh, uh, excuse me <laughs> Middletown versus <laughs> Lagenor. I, I keep saying Middle, Middle, Middletown's on the brain. Excuse me. Lagenor versus Oakdale is 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 the big game this week. Uh, Lagenor, uh, they were really pushed by Walkersville uh, last week. They were in the unusual position of coming off a loss. It's it's not it's not often they're uh, they have a loss on their ledger uh, two weeks into the season, but they, but they were trying to bounce back from their loss the previous week at Westminster, where their defense really didn't play very well. Gave up 27 points in the first quarter in that game and, and 44 overall. Um, and, and the defense did come through late against Walkersville. Walkersville had a couple of drives to, to go ahead at the end of that game, and, 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 and the Ligonor defense shined through. Ligonor has a chance to be uh, the best team in the county. Uh, they, they certainly will play the games uh, to, to, to allow them to say that. They, they have a chance to make another run, but it just it just seems like a different Ligonor team this year. Uh, they, they don't seem quite – they're good on the lines, but they don't, they're not quite as dominant as their more experienced group was last year. Uh, Ethan Arneson is, is still a great running back, uh, ran really well against Walkersville, had 170 yards. Uh, but they're, they're, they were injured. They were missing a couple linebackers, a couple offensive linemen. So, again, it, was, it might be tough to tell, but um, – just seems like a different Lincolnor team this year. Not not that they're not good and and capable of making a deep run. It, it just seems like a different team, and I'll I'll be interested to see how they handle a great Oakdale team this week, and then uh, a great Frederick team in, in a couple of weeks too. So, um, any other big takeaways from the from the football week, guys? Any any other observations you had? Well, just seeing Frederick. I mean, even though they were you know playing an overmatched team, uh, like I got to see Tay Anderson break some big runs, and you notice something about him is he has acceleration. You know, I mean, he gets going. I mean, his legs, and he just you could see him just pulling away. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wheaton's defense was struggling, but I mean, still acceleration is acceleration. And actually, they had speed on their defense too, and that's what their coach had talked about. I mean, they really they really, they fly the ball. So they, you know, it's going to be interesting to see them play the the Oakdales and the Langenors and yeah, and, and they're and it's not just Trayvon Neal at receiver too. That they have three or four receivers that would that would be the top receiver mm-hmm. at a lot of schools, not just in Frederick County but around the state. So 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 they're they're, they're really deep and and their quarterback Brian Mabuthia, who Kevin Perry, their coach, said has gotten a lot better. He does he does a nice job at mm-hmm. get, get, getting the ball out. And the thing that struck me about them when they played Middletown a couple of weeks ago is they have a nice little short passing game that's mm-hmm. almost like an extension of their running game yeah. so if you if you're able to shut down their run then they, they could hurt you with their little short passing game with all these great receivers they have so mm-hmm. uh to me they seem like the best team but again they're, they're gonna have to beat Ligonor. they're gonna mm-hmm. have to beat um oakdale on the road uh, uh, uh to prove it and <clears throat> Uh, heading into the playoffs, and then they're, so. gonna, they're probably going to face those teams again. Some of those teams, right? Yeah, or in right. theory, they'll, 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 they'll be in uh, that region. So, wow. um, any other observations from you, sir? Yeah, I, I like to throw a bone to Catoctin uh, for having a, uh, getting their first one in the season. Fairly nice, thirty-four uh, seven win over TJ, um, which we all uh, we all busted on our prediction of that game. Uh, but um, but you know, good 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 for Catoctin to sort of you know kind of get on the right track after a, some some big kind of blowouts in the first two weeks. Um, and then also Brunswick, you know, they went into uh, Boonesboro's on who was, you know, who won their first two games and, uh, and put up, put up a nice, uh, I think it was 27 to seven in that game. Uh, so yeah, Brunswick's been excellent against the teams in, in their, wake, uh, in their wake uh, against so teams, they, not yeah. named South Carroll, right. uh, South Carroll <laughs> beat Westminster last yeah. week. So that shows how good they are. If Westminster could be Ligonor and then mm-hmm. South Carroll, a state finalist last year, yeah. could, could turn that around and, and beat Westminster. That, that shows you how good a team uh, South Carroll is. So, so it looks like, it looks like, you know, you know, once, you know, now that Brunswick's a bit more kind of at their, 
you, you know, maybe not not playing like a maybe a, a state championship contender like South Carolina. Right. You know, in, in, in their weight, solid. In, yeah. in their weight class, Brunswick has been uh, a, a excellent so far. So, um, John, uh, the first uh, prep page uh, comes out uh, for the fall season uh, this week. Uh, we always do rankings right. uh, on, on the prep page in addition to in addition to all the stat leaders. And and one of the striking things to me about the rankings is. is especially when it comes to soccer is that Brunswick's mm -hmm. likely going to be at the top for both boys and girls. Yeah. I mean, they both the, made the, the, the smallest school in the County. Yeah. I mean, last year the boys won a state title and a lot of key players come back and you saw the girls tonight, they made the state final and a bunch of those girls are back. And, uh, they're, they're like, we were talking about their girls team might be our toughest team in the comp in the uh, County, which, uh, yeah, to me, they're the best team. I, I now I haven't seen Oakdale yet, so I want to mm -hmm. preface that, but to me, Brunswick, the Brunswick girls are the best girls team that I've seen so far. And, and, and in talking to, uh, Paul Bryan, the Walkersville coach, he, he seems to think that Oakdale and Brunswick are the, are the cream of the crop, uh, in, in girls soccer in the County. Uh, when it comes to the boys, though, Brunswick's going to be up there, but you also saw Tuscarora, Alexander, and we were very impressed by it. Yeah, that. so Tuscarora played Urbana tonight, uh, Tuesday night. Um, this is Battle of the Unbeatens, uh, you know, always a you know generally two of the two of the top teams year in and year out. And I mean, Tuscarora, kind I, I don't want to say I don't necessarily want to say had their way with them because Urbana, you know, because Urbana did push back a little bit, but I mean, they just they were just super the. Tuscarora was just super aggressive all game, just sending waves and waves and waves of pressure and sort of, you know, hemmed for a large portion of the game was hemming Urbana in uh, five to two, five to two was the final. And, um, you know, that's kind of what, uh, you know, you know, Todd, uh, Todd Nepper, their coach told me he was basically like, you know, he basically preached to them just the idea of being relentless. Um, and he's like, he's like, if you know, if we, he's like, ideally they don't want to con, you know, concede anything, but he's like, if they concede one or two, well, they're going to be scoring three, four, you know, five plus a game just because they have all that talent and all that skill, and you know, they just sort of apply the pressure like that. And so, I mean, truthfully, if they keep playing like that, I'm, I'm not sure I see a loss on their schedule at least in the regular season. Um, you know, you know, when you get and they, I think they're well positioned and well set up to make a very, very deep uh, playoff run at the, at the worst, um, you know, and possibly even, you know, you know, get to the, get to the state championship. Cause they're, 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 they're very legit. I, th I think they're the best team in the County at least. And, it's not, and, when, and when it comes to their defense, what did you think of Tony Lombardi? I mean, he's a handful in the back. As I recall. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he was, you know, causing, you know, he was, he was causing some havoc again, like Urbana didn't have enough sustained pressure. Cause I mean, they were, they were, you know, they were uh Tuscar was winning a lot of the midfield battles and uh you know was sort of again sen sending those waves you know Urbana again they had the two goals but a lot of uh, Urbana didn't really have any real any real second chances a lot of it was like you know you know a lot of those goals just sort of came on you know first you know their first look they had or you know they get a shot they get sort of a uh you know you know like a like a like a somewhat okay shot off but didn't really go anywhere, but yeah, no, he was very good. He had a, uh, he had a, he had the last goal of the game as a penalty kick with a few minutes left. But um, you know, the, again, I think top to bottom, Tuscarora is, you know, is probably the best team in the county and one of the best teams in the state. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to soccer, you have to yeah. think Brunswick in one A, boys and girls, mm -hmm. they're going to both have great looks at state titles. Uh, the Oakdale girls are very talented again in two A, uh, Tuscarora uh, in 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 three A. Uh, Urbana might might four four A. Yeah, I mean, Urbana Urbana is definitely very good. Um, you know, I think this is this is just a case of like, okay, there's clearly a top dog. You know, like Urbana is going to be up there. They're going to be, you know, probably you know, in, in the tier right behind Tuscarora, at least in the county. And then 4A, again, you know, the, the thing with 4A is, you know, it's always a lot of the, the Bethesda area schools always do really, really well, um, you know, in their, you know, in their sort of pot or in their region. It's, you know, you know they'd have to get past the Bethesda schools. And then when you do that, usually there are some Anne Arundel County schools um, that also, uh, or Howard and Howard County schools that are usually pretty tough that they have to, that you'd have to get through down the line. So, you know, I think they, they, they're in a, they're in a good spot, you know, relatively speaking, I think, you know, it's a bit harder to see a, as, as obvious of a path for them to the, you know, you know, to a, or like there'd be more hurdles, I would say like, or more, more, 
you know, tougher teams, but they're, they're very good. And I think they're, you know, they sort of deserve to be in that upper, upper echelon. Before we wrap up, John, who's making waves on the volleyball scene? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Urbana again. And actually, actually, Alexander got to see them play. Um, they, they were a top team last year. I saw Oakdale and Linganore tonight, uh, two uh, traditionally strong teams, and they, uh, they, they played a nice match. Oakdale ended up winning. I think Oakdale's going to be good when all is said and done by the end of the year. They might not be the super state power that they have been, but they're, they're going to be a handful for whoever they play. And uh, so they, they – yeah, aside from that, I haven't seen a whole lot yet, but uh, – I'll get around. And Urbana is playing North Hagerstown coming up. Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I'm going out to see that. I want to say on Thursday. I mean, they're usually the you know, two of the top teams in that Spires division. In fact, I think North Hagerstown won the Spires last year. Somehow they actually somehow I guess they must have beaten Urbana last year because I remember North played Catoctin in the CMC championship game and and beat them. So um, yeah, that'll be a big test for Urbana yeah, for sure. Gentlemen, thank you. And when we come back. How do you prepare to face the number one Georgia Bulldogs? Uh, particularly, how do you prepare to face that defense? Uh, we'll find out next when we talk to former Oakdale quarterback Colin Schlady. Stay tuned here on The Final Score. Welcome back to The Final Score and on Saturday at noon on ESPN Plus and uh, the SEC Network Plus. Kent State will take on Georgia. Uh, for many, it might seem like a run-of-the-mill college football game between a mid-major school traveling to face the top-ranked team in the country and the defending national champions. But that's not the case here in Frederick County, thanks to my next guest. Colin Schley, quarterback to Oakdale High School to one of the greatest football seasons ever in Frederick County in 2018, culminating with an undefeated record and the Class 2A state championship. Uh, he was also a star basketball for the Bears prior to graduating in 2019. Now he's the starting quarterback at Kent State and will have the unenviable task of facing that vaunted Georgia defense on Saturday. And I'm very pleased to welcome Colin back to the podcast right now. It's great to catch up, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, re really thrilled to have you on heading into this big game. I I'm just curious, what's it been like watching that Georgia defense on tape all week? Uh. You know, it's something special. They got they have a really good team, obviously, and, and they probably will always have a really good team. But, you know, I talked about a little bit in my post-game interview after uh, we beat um, Long Island that, uh, you know, it's always going to be about, you know, us as a football team, Kent State as an organization. And and obviously, you know, we're going to prepare the best we can to go and, and win. But at the end of the day, we got to do whatever it's best for us and, and you know, focusing on the, the team ahead, but always focusing on us first. Yeah, what are realistic expectations for you guys heading into a game like this? Uh, well, we're gonna go in and we're gonna give them everything we got. We're gonna go in with the with the mindset that you know we're gonna win the game, and that's that's the best thing you can do. I mean, never gonna go into a game thinking uh, we don't even have a chance or we're gonna lose because that's that's a bad mindset to have if you want to be a competitor and if you want to go in there and win. So we're gonna prepare the best we can and we're gonna we're gonna watch film a little bit more this week than we ever have and we're just gonna go in there and give it all our got so yeah I mean you're you're, you're no stranger to this obviously because you've already faced a pair of ranked teams and unbeaten teams on the road this season and I'm curious did they do this to you on purpose Colin because here's your first year starting at Kent State and three of your first four games are at Washington at Oklahoma and at Georgia did they do that to you on purpose uh, they might have, but, you know, I'm up for a challenge. I always have been, you know, I always dreamed of playing at the biggest stages. And so far in my career, uh, being the starter at Kent State, that's what that's what we've done. So, you know, I couldn't I couldn't ask for any more to be put in this big spotlight because that's what I what I've asked for my whole entire life. Yeah. How are you going about that? How, how are you preparing personally for a game of this magnitude on on national TV? Uh, just more film every single day, um, you know, and I think the biggest thing is is getting our guys to believe, um, you know, I, I do have a really good feeling that our guys do believe, uh, but, you know, people outside of our program don't don't believe in us. And, and that's fine because they're not going into the, the, the battle with us. So I'm just trying to get the guys in that are going into battle to, to believe and to, to put extra work in. And, and this is a big stage, a big opportunity. And so we got to do what, what we got to do our best. So, you know, we can go in there and win and beat, beat the number one team in the nation. Well, what'd you learn from the Washington and the Oklahoma games in those experiences? 
well, we learned a lot of lessons. I think the biggest lesson we learned was that, you know, we can compete with these types of teams. And, and, and most of the time it's, it's us beating ourselves. Uh, as you saw in the Washington game, you know, I, I, I did turn the ball over a couple of times and, and, you know, they got out to an early lead, but then we started coming back and putting some points on the board. But especially in that Oklahoma game, like that first half, we were in it the whole time, seven to three in, in the first half. And then, you know, the second half came out and, you know, we, we, we fumbled the ball. We don't communicate on defense, don't communicate on offense, and we just let the game slip away. So, you know, personally, I don't think anybody can beat us. So, and that's the mindset that we all got to have. But, you know, I think that the first couple games we learned that, like, in those big games that we can't beat ourselves, we have to play, like, basically a perfect game. And, and that's what I think we're capable of doing. I mean, this is really what you dreamed of, right? I mean, playing on national TV in, in front of these big audiences against big-time opponents. I mean, just what were the nerves like heading into some of those games? Yeah, I would say it's more like a excited nervous, you know. Um, nervous because I'm making my first career start, but excited because it's what I've been planning for and preparing for my whole life, so – you know, I'm, I've always I've always been excited to play a football game, and I've always been a little bit nervous, no matter who we're playing, if it's Long Island or if it's Georgia. So, uh, I think the biggest thing with that is just, you know, we can't just be scared. We can't walk out there scared, like thinking that we already know what's going to happen. You know, you got to be excited. We get to play football again. So, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, what, what's it been like for you uh, taking over the? Um reigns at Kent State you're 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 a first year starter and, and now you're QB1 there uh it's been really fun I, I'm, I'm very blessed that I have a great mentor that was ahead of me and Dustin Crum uh and I'm very blessed to have the coach that I have uh coach Sean Lewis and and they've really helped me um prepare myself for this big stage and they've really helped me grow as a person and as a quarterback and and more as a leader as well so you know, I really thank those two uh, a lot. And I also thank everybody else in this organization who has helped build me to become the man who I am. Yeah, we're talking to Colin Schley, uh, the Kent State quarterback, uh, former uh, quarterback great at Oakdale High School. Uh, the, the Golden Flashes uh, have a big test in uh, Georgia, top-ranked Georgia on Saturday. And as a Division One college football player, Colin, just take us, walk us through a typical day because you have classes – yeah, you have the full football responsibilities. Some say being a Division One athlete is like having a having a full time job on the side. Just what, what, what's a typical day like for you? Yeah, definitely, definitely a full time job. Uh, so I usually wake up around five thirty. Uh, I shower, get dressed, and I head up to the stadium where I will get uh, breakfast and uh, treatment, and then I'll do special teams from about seven to seven thirty, and then. Um, after special teams, we'll go into position meetings uh, till about 8.40. And then 8.50, around 8.59, we start practice. And that usually goes to about 11.15, 11.30. And then uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have lift. So uh, about 11.45 to 12.45 lift. Uh, and then I have class the rest of the day. And um, usually my classes don't get out around till like 4 or 5. And then after that, I'll go into the coach's office and watch more film. So, yeah, it's definitely a – Definitely a very long day, but it's it's gonna all be worth it, and that's that's the way I look at it. How, how tired are you typically by the end of the day? When when it gets to like nine p.m., I'm sure your head's ready for the pillow, right? Yeah, I usually try to get in bed before before about ten thirty, uh, so I can get a nice seven hours of sleep. But you know, it's kind of hard to get some sleep. Sorry, there's a train that's right next to my house. It's kind of hard to get some sleep when uh, you know who you're facing the next week. So. Uh, and you got your mind preparing for that and all that, but, you know, try to get to bed early so I can have a, a productive day the next day and have enough sleep for the next day. I mean, you're a college kid. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your friends are, are, are on the team, but, but you have friends probably that want to stay out late and have a good time and stuff. <laughs> and, and you have to resist that temptation. Is, is, is that difficult? Uh, I don't think it's very difficult during the week because, uh, we all know what we want and, what we want involves not going out. So, so that's not too difficult, but uh, I would say that most of my friends are on the football team and they understand what it is and what this week is and what every week is. So I think we all do a pretty good job of understanding what we need to do and, and finishing up our schoolwork, uh, getting to this, getting to the study for the opponent and all that. And then when it's time to have some fun, we, we do have some fun. So how, how tough has the schoolwork been so far? Uh, it's not bad uh, this year so far because I'm going into my senior year. So it's um, I'm taking most of my major courses. 
So it's uh it's not a lot of like actual work, uh, meaning like homework and stuff like that. It's more of like actually being in class and participating in class and, and getting to know about the next level of, of my major, which is sports administration. So it's it's I actually do enjoy going to class because I get to learn a lot more about um basically the sports administration major and, and you know, life after sport. If, if sports doesn't work out, I know exactly what I want to do and how I can do it and the people I can talk to. Is it hard to stay on top of your schoolwork with the football responsibilities? Uh, I would say it is pretty challenging, but we have a lot of people here that help us. So um, in that matter, it's like if you do need help, there's always somebody there to help you. But the hardest thing is just getting that work done, getting that work turned in because you are tired and, and you are exhausted and want to go to bed. But you have to fight that urge to, you know, you came here to be a student athlete. So you got to do the schoolwork and then you can be an athlete. So does your day typically end with some schoolwork or are you going over your playbook or are you, are you in your playbook before you turn out the lights? Uh, yes. So my day usually ends with uh, film. Uh, I usually like to get schoolwork uh, done during the day so I don't have to worry about it. And I like to get it done earlier in the week so that when it comes towards game time, I'm not worried about, oh, did I turn this assignment in or anything like that. So I try to get my schoolwork done before the week's over. So then Saturday and Friday, I can just focus strictly on the game. So, so you're a senior in in school. I mean, you've been at Kent since 2019, but you're only a redshirt sophomore on on the field sort of explain how we got to here because obviously we had the pandemic uh you you redshirted so did you get two COVID years or just uh, how does the math line up with where you are uh, athletically Um, versus academically (laughs) so 2019 I came here uh and redshirted so that season didn't count towards my um football and then the following year was COVID years so I got two extra years off that um, I'm going into my fourth year uh, academically, so counting this year, after this year, I'll have two more seasons to play football, uh, where I'll focus mainly on football, and then I would do internships and, and things like that. Might, might you take uh, some gra- grad, grad classes and stuff like that? or? Yeah, yeah, just to keep my credits up and just keep my schoolwork keep going, and then uh, hopefully with these extra years, I can get uh, my master's and, and focus on things like that as well with this extra time that I have. Well, was your plan always to redshirt, Colin, or or, um, or were you hoping to maybe get some playing time right away? Uh, well, they kind of told me that I was going to redshirt. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, I was uh, 6'3", 170, uh, and, and that's not a, uh ideal Division One quarterback body. Um, so they kind of built bulked me up and, and, and took me into the weight room. Uh, so I'm six three, two twenty now. Two twenty. So, wow, uh, you they, put on sixty pounds. Yeah. yeah, they did a very good job of that. So, uh, you know, I, I knew I well, obviously wasn't very happy because um, you know I'm a competitor and I like to play. So, you know, sitting on the sideline was definitely hard for me. But I, I understood the reason in the long run, and I'm very thankful for that. Did you totally have to change the way you ate too, in addition to the weightlifting, or? Yeah, so usually I would go with like three meals a day, and uh, that that clearly wasn't cutting it. Uh, so then I went from three to five. Uh, I I usually eat around five meals a day, but once you get to the 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 weight that you want to be at, it's pretty easy to sustain it. So I'm I'm back to I'm I eat about four meals a day, uh, along with my lifting, protein shakes, and things like that, and snacks here and there. But it, it was very difficult to get my weight up up to that uh 220 that i am now but it's it's a lot easier to sustain it now that i'm here yeah i, I, want, I want to ask you about going through the pandemic and in those tough two years of being at school and away from home and and stuff but are, are you sort of also glad that you're, you have a chance to be a three-year college starter and you have two more years after this to learn and to grow your your football side too yeah yeah obviously so i mean the pandemic was hard uh it was it was hard on all of us but uh you know, we found ways to, to still meet over Zoom and, and still get our training in, uh, and stuff like that. But it, it definitely does help that I have three years. I will have three years under my belt as a starter. And I, I think that's going to go a long way in the, in the future. And, you know, maybe it wasn't how I planned it. You know, I, I, I thought I was going to be the starter uh, last year. But, uh, you know, with that COVID year, a lot of a lot of older guys came back. So I'm just taking a full advantage of my opportunities I have now uh, and then later on, later on in the future. So. 
I mean, you, the competitor, hated being a backup, obviously. But what was it like sort of learning the ropes and, and learning how to be a Division One college quarterback? What was it like behind the scenes for you and, and learning from your from your mentors, too? Uh, well, I'd say my first my first year, I, I, I didn't really do a very good job of that. And, and um, how, how so? What, know, do you, what do you what do you mean? Uh, like, you know, watching extra film, doing all that, because I kind of knew that I wasn't I wasn't going in the game. So I didn't really prepare like a starter, which which if I go back now, I probably would have done that differently. But uh, the following years from that, I, I started to, to realize what was happening and, and realizing that, you know, they're building me for the future. So, you know, I got to start doing things that, as a starting quarterback, even though I'm not the starting quarterback. So it really helped me as I became a starting quarterback that it was already in my routine of, you know, we got to get extra film, got to do extra this, extra that. You just got to do more as a starting quarterback. You were the, you were the backup last year, right? Yes, I was. Okay. So you have to be ready at all times. I mean, the, any, any snap, any given snap, you could go in the game. So what was that process? Like you're not playing, you, you know that, but you have to, have to also be mentally sharp and physically ready to go at, at any given moment. Yeah. So I was always ready on the sideline, you know, keep my body warm, keep my arm warm, my legs warm. Uh, just, just more of an anxious feeling to go in the game. Uh, but are you on the headset and stuff listening to play calls and stuff or, uh, well, I'm, I'm always, he always made me stand coach Lewis made me stand right next to him just in case, uh, you know, maybe crumbs helmet fell off or, or something like that. And I had to go in for a play, but always ready when I was on the sideline and, and especially, um, you know, leading up to leading up to the game, I, I was watching a little bit more film doing a little bit more of that, you know, so I could just know the game plan going in so that when I did get my opportunity, maybe it was just for a play that I'll take full advantage of it. How much mental energy do you burn knowing you have to be prepared at all times, but knowing you might not get in the game anyway? So I, I don't want to say it's all for not, but, 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 but still it's like part of you wants to get in there and, and you're doing all this work and it's not being rewarded necessarily. Yeah. I'd say it's, it's, it's very stressful because you know, you're so anxious the whole game and then, you know, maybe you get in with like three minutes left in the game and, you know, maybe it's not the, the minutes you want it, but, you know, I looked at it as I actually got in the game and I, I could benefit towards the team or, or I could do something to help the team. Uh, so that's that's what I mo uh, mainly looked forward to was was getting into the game and helping the team, whether that be helping the team win by even greater margin or helping the team come back from a deficit that we was in. At, at what point did you feel you were ready to take over the starting job? Uh, I felt really comfortable last year uh, taking the starting job. And I, I think that I think that's. Uh, the biggest thing that helped me was that I was ready. Well, I thought I was ready, but maybe I wasn't fully as ready as I am now. Uh, so it, in some ways it was, it was good to have crumb back. Uh, so I could learn a little bit more and do a little bit, do a little bit more to prepare myself for this year. But I always thought I was ready for, uh, I mean, ever since I got here and, and that mentality of mine's never going to, never going to stop. In, in what ways are specifically, are you more ready now than you were even last year? Uh, I would say I've gotten even bigger, stronger, faster. Um, I'm mentally more prepared. I'm uh, speaking with Coach Lewis about little things that, uh, you know, maybe the other quarterbacks who are a little bit younger than me don't understand yet. So it's just grabbing a – it's not much of, like, play-by-play play, because I know the whole playbook and stuff like that, but it's like, what's the defense doing? What's this guy doing? What's this guy's tendency? So it's like learning a little bit of pieces about each person uh, and taking that into the game so I can know exactly what's happening and what's going on. What, what, what's been the most rewarding part of this process for you so far? Uh, I'd say my first career, uh, my first career start uh, winning at home. My first career win at home. Yeah, that was uh, a big, was big win over Long Island. I wanted to mention that because you guys were one and two on the season. You've had the, the, two, the two high major games, the Power Five games, in addition to this one coming up. Uh, but you also had a big win over Long Island where, where you threw a couple touchdown passes. And, and that, for, that first win as a starter had to feel pretty good on the college level, I imagine. Yeah, that's definitely the most rewarding. Knowing that I did all this preparation and all this stuff uh, to be to be a winner, and and that's what we were on Saturday. So I was very pleased with that, and and especially the way our guys played. And you know, the first drive on defense wasn't wasn't what we wanted, uh, but our defense definitely stepped it up and, and and started stopping them. And then offensively, you know, flash fast, just going down the field, scoring as many touchdowns as we can. So it was very rewarding knowing that all the time, the three years it's come to. Uh, and now I'm the starter, and now we got our first win, and hopefully we can just keep winning. 
you, you played high school football at a pretty high level, Colin. I mean, you, you went undefeated, won a state title your senior year. What, what uh, This question gets asked a lot, but what, what's the big difference between uh, a high-level high school game and even a mid-major D1 college game? Is it, is it mainly the speed, just the speed of the game? Is, is that the big difference? Yeah, I'd say the speed of the game, and, and I'd say um, for me mostly is the defense. So, you know, in high school you probably get like three, four different defenses a game. Like you see three or four different coverages a game. But when you get to college, you see maybe a different defense every snap. So uh, I'd say the biggest thing for that is, you know, finding where where my rekeet is, where my guys are going to be and stuff like that. But definitely the speed of the game is, is a lot different than high school. And does it ramp up even more when you face a team uh, like Georgia or, or a Power 5 team? Yeah, yeah, very, very much. Well, tell us a little bit uh, about uh, – go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted your thought there. I was just going to say that, like, it's – I mean – the speed of the game when you play Long Island is completely different to when you play Georgia and, and the speed that, you know, the offense might play as well. You know, Georgia might have different tendencies. Oklahoma has different tendencies. So, you know, we might be flash fast, but we might have to slow down and see, get a good view of the defense and see what's going on so we can execute our plays to our best of our ability. Do you have a clock going in your head? Like the ball's got to be gone by, by a certain amount of time here? Uh, yeah, I, I usually have a good understanding of, you know, how quickly the, the, the pass rushers get upfield if they do get past our offense, uh, offensive line. And, and I do, I do have a clock in my head and I know when I need to get the ball off because if I'm holding it for too long, I'm probably going to get hit. So, so against a team like Georgia, like, like what's that clock like in your head? Uh, well, I'm gonna just get the ball as fast as I can. Uh, you know, we got to get our speed and our space. So, you know, probably a lot of short routes and stuff like that just to get the ball out of our hands and then get a good feel of the defense. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say our O-line has no chance. Cause I think we have a great chance. You know, I have a great O-line and uh, you know, just getting the ball out is the biggest thing we can do in this game and, and, and managing the clock and, and having the ball for, for most of the game and, and having time of possession is a big thing. I mean, people might not appreciate how difficult your job is, is as a quarterback because not only do you have to get rid of the ball, you have to make the proper read too. And this all has to happen within the span of, of two or three seconds. I mean, how much of a learning curve is it to, to be able to do something like that? Yeah, it was a lot. So like in high school, we had wristbands uh, told us everything about the play. Uh, so it, it wasn't very difficult on, on that end, but you know, once I get to college, you know, we don't have wristbands. Uh, I have to make the call to the old line. Uh, people don't know what they're doing. I have to let them know. Uh, so it's more of like, a, I don't know, you're just a teacher. You're a teacher out there uh, in the middle of the field. You know, if, if somebody doesn't know, you got to help them. got to tell them what to do, exactly what to do. Uh, and then when somebody does do something good, you reward them. And, and for example, if a wide receiver makes a good choice, I'm going to reward them with a the ball. So, you know, it goes both ways. Tell us a little bit about the rest of your team at Kent this season. Uh, who, who are some of the key guys? Just what, what sort of squad do you guys have this season? Uh, obviously, we have two great outside wide receivers and Devontae Walker and Dante Cephas. Uh, and we have some great slots, Luke Floria, Jay Sean Polk, and Ray James. Uh, but, you know, the running back room will always be a good running back room. Brian Bradford, Gavin Garcia, and Marquez Cooper. Uh, and then up front, you know, we're a little young. We have, uh, I think, two returning starters. Um, but you know, I, I've seen what I've seen what our O line done, and I've I've been really pleased with what they have done and the way they have handled themselves. Uh, the past couple of years, we we've had about eight O linemen in our O line room, and I think this year we have like 14. So, you know, the way that they handled themselves, you know, the past couple of years where you know they couldn't get very many breaks and they had to be in the game the whole entire game. Uh, the way that they've handled themselves, being able to give it their all the whole entire game, and and just you know fighting with with these power five teams and these other teams is I've really been pleased with that. I mean, not every game is going to be against Georgia this season. What, what are your expectations as a, as a team this season? Uh, win every game. That's uh, that's the expectation I had at Oakdale. And that's the same expectation I'll, I'll carry with me through throughout the rest of my college football career or, or my pro career. As long as I keep playing football, as long as I keep playing sports. Well, what, what type of offense are you running? Are you running a spread up-tempo style offense or yeah spread offense it's basically Oakdale's offense with a little bit more tempo and uh no wristbands so you know we really get to 
no huddle, and we really get to rolling down the field. So it's all about p- playing quickly, and, and and so you gotta you gotta be pre- well prepared, and, and you 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 gotta deliver the ball quickly, right? Yeah, be playing quick, knowing exactly what the the call to the line is, because that's the biggest thing. Because we only go as the O lineman goes. So if the O lineman gets set and they get that call in, and they're ready to go, then everybody else is ready to go. So how will you guys operate on Saturday, knowing you're going to face a huge, hostile, loud crowd? Will you go silent count, or how will you run the up-tempo in the face of a loud crowd? Uh, well, we're just going to play our game, and then, you know, if 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 it comes down to where they can't hear us, maybe we'll huddle up for a second and then give them a call, and then we'll right back to it. But, you know, we played in a hostile environment before. We played in Texas A&M last year. We played in Oklahoma this year, so... I mean, nothing's going to change. Our mentality needs to be a little bit sharper because, you know, we're playing the number one team in the nation. So um, nothing should change. We just need to play our style of ball, and I think we'll have a good chance. Do you have any personal goals besides just winning every game, or is it all team-oriented for you, or do you have some personal milestones that you've set? Uh, not really any personal milestones. You know, I just – I like winning. So whatever involves winning, that's what I'm here to do. Right. Like last, last week, I was the punter. So – I went out there and I hit a 50-yard punt because that was what the team needed me to do for what to win. So that's what I did. You you did that at Oakdale a little bit too, right? You you, you quick kicked every once in a while or uh, you you punted. Oh uh, yeah, I think I did quick kick uh, twice. Yeah, one of them I think got blocked. Which is not a good look. But <laughs> do you miss the hoop side of it? Because I mean, you were a two-sport athlete at Oakdale. Um, do you miss? I mean, do you, I'm sure you hoop it up in, in in your free time when you can. But but do you miss? just getting out there on the, on the uh, basketball court. Yeah, I, I do miss a lot. And, and I do, I do play basketball here a couple uh, here and there, but it, it was mainly my freshman sophomore year here. I was playing uh, on intramural basketball teams uh, just cause I, I missed it so much. And I was like fresh off of leaving basketball, but now, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the foxhole as a starting quarterback. So, you know, I'm kind of putting my, all my priorities towards that and, and maybe just, here and there, I'll go to like a little shoot around, but uh, I do miss I do miss playing basketball. Uh, but you know, I'm here to play football, so that's what I'm here to do. I have to ask because I mean, I, I know every each and every day is so busy for you. But how plugged in are you to what's happening back here at home? I mean, your Oakdale Bears have another pretty strong team this year. Uh, Evan Austin uh, is the starting quarterback. He's had a he's had a couple of great games, and and I think Coach Stein mentioned to me that you get back here every once in a while and we'll talk or or work out with the team and stuff. So, how closely did you monitor and stay in touch with what's going on back home? Yeah, I try to I try to watch when I can. Uh, Evan actually grew up uh, right next door to me, so I'm I'm pretty good, pretty close with Evan and his family. So, uh, you know, I got Coach Stein's NA. NFHS account so you know when, when I get the chance to I'll, I'll turn on the game and see how the boys are doing back home have you come back and worked out with the team a little bit or oh uh, yeah I did in the summer uh in the summer since you know coach Stein's up there and now that my dad teaches there I got access to the weight room so uh during the summer I'd go up there and I, I'd lift with them in the morning and then I'd do a little bit of running here and there well what, what do the guys talk to you about the, the, the current guys on the team the high school guys do they ask you a bunch of questions and stuff or yeah, they just asked me how it is, uh, you know, the transition from high school, uh, you know, high school to college. And, you know, it's a it's a big transition and, and, and you know, leaving your family and leaving your home and leaving where you grew up for 20 years. Uh, it's, it's it's a big transition. But, you know, I always tell them that it, it's it's worth it. It's super fun. And, uh, you know, you'll have no doubt in your mind when you get there how much fun you're going to have. Uh, I'm curious about the routine heading into Saturday. Like, when will you guys travel? When will you get to Athens? Uh, I, I know you probably have some friends and family coming to the game too. And just w- what's your typical game day routine like? Well, you'll you'll wake up early, I guess, or just walk walk me through the rest of the week here. Uh, yeah. So we'll 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 head out there Friday, uh, probably probably a little bit earlier in the morning, uh, looking like maybe noon. Uh, get down there at Athens and then. You know, when we get there, we'll do like a, a walkthrough and some meetings and then we'll have dinner and then we'll have a, a team meeting. And then, you know, we'll, we're, we're lights out at about 10 uh, and then wake up the next morning pretty early and just we have we'll have a walkthrough, we'll have breakfast and then we'll be ready to go beat Georgia. Do you guys get to stay up later? Is, is the bedtime later when your game is like 3.30 or 7 or, an, or a night game or something like that? No, it's always it's always a. a 
they always curfew check at 1030. So make sure that we're all in bed, make sure we're all doing the right things and, and, and make sure we're all ready for the game. Uh, do, you, do you get to enjoy any of these college towns you get to visit or is it strictly a business trip and you're there to win a football game? Uh, well, last uh, the first week when we went out to Washington, we flew from Washington to Tulsa, Oklahoma and stayed in Tulsa for the whole week. Uh, so we didn't have to fly past Oklahoma and then land back in Canton and fly back out. So just saved a little bit of travel time. And, you know, we were trying to uh, get used to the, uh, the time change. So we got to visit uh, Tulsa uh, for a week, and it was a neat experience. Uh, but most of the time, it's just there for a business trip. We're not there to, you know, walk around. But it is cool to see some of the town sometimes. And, and I guess you get to go out for a, a nice meal the night before the game and stuff like that. So you, so you do see it a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Washington was really cool because we was in, like, downtown. Uh, so, you know, in our hotel, we could see a lot. You could see Seattle on one side. You see, like, mountains on the other side. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's not your first game like this, but what are you really expecting on Saturday? Like, when you wake up, how, how do you think you'll feel? And just once you get out there and, and feel the crowd and stuff, just, just sort of what's going through your mind right now about what Saturday might be like? Uh, it's usually that first snap. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, nervous. Got to, like, settle on a little bit. But after that first nap, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to give them my all, you know. Every time I go out there, that's what I, that's what I do. I'm going to give them my best shot. And, and if it's not good enough, then it's not good enough. But I'm going to do everything in my power. And I know the team's going to do everything in their power just to go out there and do everything they can to win. What, what are the big things you could learn and take away from a Power 5 game like this? Uh, I'd say there's, there's a lot of lessons that we can learn. Uh, and I'd say the biggest thing is just, you know, staying into the game, you know, even if we are losing by a lot or if we are winning by a lot, you know, staying into the game, keeping that same energy that we had on the first kickoff on the last kickoff. And also like seeing what type of team we are. So like, you know, Oklahoma, we were in the game for most of the game. Uh, and then it got down to a couple, they started scoring a couple and then you really find out what type of team we are. If we just sit back and let it happen or we take action and, and, and try to change the score. So, those are the two main things I'd say. And, and you know, we're really going to, it's going to be a test on Saturday, clearly, because we're playing the number one team in the nation. But, you know, this is what we've all dreamed of, you know, playing the best team that we possibly can, playing in the biggest stage. So, you know, the lessons learned are just lessons learned. And you just take them and you move on, and, and, and they get you better for the week, the week, the next week, and the following weeks after that. All right, once again, it is Kent State at number one Georgia noon Saturday. It'll be on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. So uh, check out our man Colin, uh, quarterback in the Golden Flashes against uh, that uh, vaunted Georgia defense on Saturday. Colin, wish you well, man. Thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for us this week here on The Final Score. My thanks to Graham Cullen for producing, to John Cannon and Alexander Dacey for coming on earlier to talk Frederick County sports. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll see you back here next week on The Final Score Podcast.